Welcome to the Scalar Learning Podcast, the ultimate education show on the forefront of the burgeoning edtech revolution. Join us each week as we interview the most cutting-edge edtech companies, content creators, and curriculum developers across the planet. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Scalar Learning Podcast. I'm your host, Huzaifa, as always. And today we are talking to an incredibly wildly successful YouTube channel called Story Booth. And if you haven't heard of Story Booth, I got to tell you, it's, it's so amazing. And by the way, I'm always on the hunt for new educational tools and different ways that the ed tech world is evolving. And this is, this is a very interesting YouTube channel because it, it's, to me, it's more about emotional connection. It's about, it's about kids coming together and sharing details about their lives that can hopefully help other people. And, then, and the name kind of says it all. It's Story Booth. So let me just quickly read from their YouTube channel to just give you an overview. It says, Real Stories Animated. New videos every Tuesday. Story Booth is a digital platform that invites teens to record and submit their stories with a chance to have them animated and shared with the world. Embarrassment, heartbreak, challenges, or triumphs, sad, serious, or funny. We're looking for all kinds of stories. They just need to be real. And the, the coolest part about that is it protects your identity. If you're a teenager, you can just sort of provide the audio of your story and then animations are laid on top of it. So it's just such a cool idea. And I mean, they do a really good job. So uh, today we have the co-founder to talk about Story Booth, Marcy Sino. So without further ado, Marcy, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for joining. So first, I see that the the channel was started in 2015. And by the way, guys, this channel is massive. It's got over four and a half, almost four, I think 4.57 million uh, subscribers. And you started in 2015. What was the impetus to start this channel? You know, I've been in digital for 25 years. And I think one of the things that we saw was how powerful digital is for this younger generation. But a lot of times, um, digital can also be social media, computers, internet can be really disconnecting. And we found that there was a lot of content out there for kids and teens that was almost kind of pretending to be too perfect. You know, you take social media platforms and kids are posting their perfect pictures and their perfect lives. And what we realized was, you know, this generation is really dealing with some complex issues. And we wanted to create a platform that provided them with an opportunity to be empowered, to support their social, emotional growth and well-being. And we thought, what better way to do that than storytelling? So we launched in 2015, not really knowing if any kids would come and record their stories or share kind of these, as you know, many of these stories are really personal. And we thought, you know, let's see. And these kids just came and recorded their stories and we had the honor to animate them. And we kind of just kind of exploded. And I think it's just a combination of using, you know, technology and social media in a way that is helping their lives and bringing them together as opposed to disconnecting them. Um, 
Now, so it's been quite a journey. And and when it began, was it difficult? Because I mean, anything like this, I imagine, has to be tough at the beginning. But or was were people lining up right away? How did how did that start in terms of getting getting students and getting content? So that's why we chose YouTube because we knew that's where our audience was. And if you, we said to ourselves, we're not going to spend a dollar on marketing if the content is going to resonate, then it will resonate. And so we uploaded four videos, which were kids and students that we knew as our first four. And we just on YouTube, when the algorithm starts picking you up, you can get referred and we just grew organically. And then we started to do some um, marketing programs with big influencers who had stories that they wanted to share about their childhood to influence our generation of teens. And so that kind of organically um, grew as well. And we just organically grew subscriber by subscriber by subscriber. And I think, you know, that's the benefit of platforms like YouTube. You can grow organically with an idea. And if it resonates, it really will take off naturally. I think I think the best part about this, you, and that's one hundred percent true. I, I I think that's such an, a, a great way to approach it. And yes, you know the the best thing about the algorithm too is that it's literally getting smarter every day. And that's what I notice is that it takes away the these methods to sort of game the system to say like, hey, maybe I put pr- particular tag words or no. All of that is being eliminated slowly but surely, so that your focus should be as it should be solely on creating good content. And the algorithm recognizes that based on various metrics and then pushes it forward. So sounds like that's what's happened to you. And the content is so good on your channel, I have to say. So uh, tell us a little bit about the general idea of, you know, or tell us maybe about some of these stories. Cause I saw, I, what I see to me is that it's kids allowing themselves to open up and then having all these other kids watch that and, and be like, Oh man, I've, I've been there too. Or I feel like that. And, and this can be uplifting or this can just give me somebody to, to, to share my feelings with. Uh, tell, tell us your thoughts about that. Yeah, that's exactly what happens. I think, you know, the educational piece of this is that we also, I have two kids and I was watching kind of in traditional education, the social emotional programs that were out there and they're so adult dictated, you know, everything from bullying to racism to just empathy and acceptance. Schools are trying to teach our youth, but they're not really meeting them where they're at. This is a really savvy generation. So you know, part of what's really fascinating about Story Booth is that the kids record the stories and we publish them. So it's really what's on their minds. We're not, it's not coming from adults. We don't script it. We don't, the only thing we do is edit it down to three minutes. Um, so it's coming from them. And I think that's why it's so powerful because when you tell a story that's authentic and real, it opens up for others to be vulnerable and say, hey, that's happened to me. And so that's what really the magic of Story Booth is, is the storytellers being vulnerable. It helps that they're anonymous and behind animation. And then for that whole community, which is amazing in social media, to watch a community that supports each other and learns from each other and comments and grows together. That's really what Story Booth has become. Um, I would say the biggest issues we're dealing with these days, bullying is number one, racism, sexuality, mental health. I mean, this generation is dealing with a lot, and we wanted to create a space because we felt like schools were moving way too slowly to meet them where they're at and to empower them to get through this together. So they've kind of really opened themselves to be vulnerable, and we've just given them the platform to do that. 
One thing I noticed, uh, one of the videos that I watched and one of the stories, it was about the notion of basically, let's let's call it safety in social media, like not sending things that put you in a vulnerable position. There's a, a story about yeah. a girl uh, and and pictures and things like that. Now, for example, at the school that I used to work for, we would have a, a digital literacy s- seminar where somebody would come in and they talk about that. But again, it was an adult. And I can see this story resonating so much more. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Maybe either your experience working with schools or kids like what you know, how, how is that, you know, t- describe the difference in terms of hearing a kid talking about their negative experience versus just having an adult say, hey, you should not send pictures because of X, Y, and Z. Yeah, I think it's really pretty simple. I think teens especially are influenced by their peers more than anybody, more than parents, more than teachers, more than adults. Their their peers are their influence. And so it's also really natural for us as we grow up to make mistakes and to not be embarrassed by it, but to grow from those mistakes. And I think, you know, schools are really approaching this from adult down, right? They're talking about sending pictures you shouldn't. They're talking about how to be safe on social media, how to not cyberbully, all these things, but they haven't really gone through it. And I think why this is kind of a really powerful educational tool is kids will explain the mistakes they've made and what they've learned from it. And other kids just relate to that anecdote and maybe they've done it themselves and it makes them feel better and they grow from it, or maybe it prevents them from doing it. But I think it's just a more organic way for kids to learn. Um, kids are, again, they're digital, they're fast, they're smart, they're doing more than adults do. Um, and so we just, again, wanted to meet them where they're at. And there's something about peer-to-peer that we find is the key ingredient to why it's leading to supporting them in a social emotional way that schools, we know schools are using our videos. We know that schools are discussing them, but I think the videos really speak for themselves. And that's, I think for teens, they just like hearing what each other's mistakes or their triumphs are and they learn together. And that's just, they don't always respond to kind of the adult down when it comes to these kind of issues. And I, and I think that goes back to the idea of it's real and students are really fast. I mean, I I think people in general, we can pick up on things when they're not authentic. And I think that's where it sometimes, what it sometimes feels like when you're getting lectured by an adult. But again, I I agree with you. And so you take that potent combination, it sounds like of the peer to peer plus yes, stories are the best medium for learning period. There's so many books that have been written on the power of storytelling. So yeah, I think you've got, obviously the proof is in the pudding. You guys are incredibly successful with such a huge following. And, and I mean, the editing is done really well too. So let's talk about that process and how we go from A to Z. So let's say a student wants to share a story, a, a personal story. How, how do we get from there to a finished video? So essentially we have an app that they can download an iOS app and, or they can record a story on, in our recording studio on a computer. They just go to storybooth.com and do that. And they record, um, we don't tell them what to say. We don't script them. They just literally record into this, into their phone or their computer what their story is. I think the story selection part on our end is complex. We have over 300,000 stories that have been submitted to us from kids all over the world. And what we like to say is that you don't need to be the perfect storyteller because you'll notice in all our videos, it's just 
kids with different voices. None of them are perfect. They're authentic. Some of them write them, we think. Some of them just record on the fly. But we try to choose stories that we think are going to resonate with everyone so that it's just a story that will help as many kids as possible. And so we go through the stories, we publish one a week, and we pick ones that we think will resonate with teens. Um, We edit those stories down to three minutes because animation, we get them out kind of every week, so we want to produce as quickly as we can. And then that audio file goes to our incredibly talented team of directors and animators who animate it. And they've just done a great job because they, they'll literally listen to the audio and cry. They try to get into the kids' perspective, um, and they animate it. And then it goes live on YouTube. So, it, again, it's just a really simplified process of trying to keep it as close to the authentic story as possible. We don't have music. We don't have sound effects. It's just raw audio married to animation. And uh, do students, are they notified if their story is chosen and and put up on the channel or? Yep. They're notified if they're under 18, we have to get parental permission. So once they are selected, we notify them and then we reach out to their parents and get permission. And then they get If they want to, they can send us the photo and we build, you know, their character based on that photo. Sometimes they don't want to. Um, And if you're over 18, we just sign a release. But, yep, everybody gets notified. We wish we could animate them all, but we can't. But we try to get to as many as we can. How often do you guys have, once the story is set in, how often do then the families choose to no longer participate just because they want to protect the child, you know, things like that. It rarely happens. It rarely happens. You know, we have to pick stories, obviously that parents are going to be okay with. Mm -hmm. So we do get stories that parents would never approve of. So we, we don't even select those. Um, But we try to pick stories where we know that that child has kind of come through it um, in a way that a parent will support So it's rare that we don't get approval. Um, It's been hard. Some of our subjects are complex, sexual abuse and rape. And we go to places that are really personal. But we've been lucky enough to have parents see that their child is has gone through that and wants to help other kids. And so it's and kids are so excited to get animated. So it's been a really good process for kids with their parents as well because it empowers them and their parents are supporting them in that process of sharing their experience with kids all over the world. For those really sensitive topics, man, I mean, for a lot of kids going through that, I can't even imagine how difficult it is to talk about it. So to have something like this where you don't even you don't even have to talk to an adult, which might feel uncomfortable or all these things, but you can listen to somebody share their pain and, and relate, man, that that must be such a relief. And I, and even beyond. So, so I noticed those a lot of those really sensitive subjects are discussed. But then I noticed some other videos. Again, I'm in academia. I'm uh, primarily teaching math. And that's that's my life, really. Uh, all around math education, whether it's in person, online, or video, or whatnot. And I saw a really cool video about a student going through what we call, but she didn't refer to it as this, but really it's what's called math anxiety. And she talked about, man, the troubles that she, the, the anxiety that she developed and how she felt in math class. 
And I thought that was fascinating. And then, but it was also kind of a light at the end of the tunnel how she overcame that and eventually went went to homeschool and then started feeling really confident about that. But can you talk a little bit about? Those types of stories, people talking about academic difficulty and maybe what the what the response has been from other students and maybe have they gained confidence or have they figured out ways in which to help themselves? Yeah, the math story you're talking about is so interesting to me because my son actually has math anxiety and he's actually really good in math. I'm terrible in math, but he's actually really good in math. But because one teacher told him that he wasn't good. He believed it and had, and literally max math anxiety kind of took on. That story was really interesting because I think, you know, academically in terms of academics, when we do stories about school or teachers, we find that, you know, the math story was so interesting because she actually found creative ways to work through that. And ultimately in that story, she realized that she just needed to be taught math in a different way. And I've been told that about math. I mean, you're the expert in math, but with my son, I know, watching him personally, it's not always kids are just, they're not robots. Kids learn differently. And so I think for us, what we're able to hear from kids and their experience with academics at school is they're not all the same. They don't learn the same way. And sometimes you need to think of other ways to approach something that's challenging to you. And so in this case, this the storyteller felt empowered to take a completely different path. And in that path, she gained her confidence. And so I think as parents, it helps us and for kids to see, you know, if you're not getting something academically, there are ways you can help yourself outside of a school environment that can support that and that you don't need to be bad at math because you think you're bad at math. You actually can figure it out creatively. So that story was great because she really did work the problem and um, came out on the other side of it. And what you said is a hundred percent, right? I will validate that. Yes, there are so many ways to learn and understand it. And when somebody says something like that, a teacher, an adult, that you're just not good at math, it's a, that just tells me that they don't know how to, how to properly teach. It, It is an art form. Um, really like anything that you want to perfect. And there are a lot of different angles at which you can, you can come, come to these light bulb moments. And it's, it's the, the onus is on the teacher or the tutor, or whatever it may have you to keep trying to hit it and deliver it in different ways until it resonates. And that's, that's it. And what I think was fascinating too about that story is that from a teacher or adult perspective, you get to see even the story you just told me about your son, your son, by the way, you get to see how impactful words can be. And then like somebody says that once, they're not thinking about it. And then all of a sudden that sits with that student forever. So my next question is, is do you know of any schools or programs for educators where they actually they sit down, they make them listen to some of these stories and be like, look, this is what can happen. This is how impactful your words and actions can be when you may not be so tied in and, uh, you know, thinking about what the child's emotional response might be. Do you, has that ever happened with your content? We've been told by teachers that we're in schools. They use them as, you know, our stories for bullying or for academics or for racism issues. And we've been asked to build a story boost kind of closed system for schools, which is something we're taking pretty seriously. I think, you know, when I founded the company, one of my the key reasons I did was because I felt like schools are being bombarded with a lot of issues that they're not equipped to deal with. And we're seeing a lot of these 
social emotional curriculums come out that are really not making a change in that environment. And ultimately, we want to create empathetic, healthy schools culturally. And so we've been told and we've been asked by teachers, please, 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 because many of them cannot go on YouTube anymore. Can you please create a closed story booth um, video system where you have curriculum? So we are thinking about that and want to get into schools more directly, I think, because schools need it and kids need it. So we want to give them those tools to help them with these complex issues, which sometimes are even more pressing these days than the traditional academics that are going on. So I a hundred percent agree. And actually I can tell you for a fact that schools, I don't know if where, where you're based personally, but the schools out here in Los Angeles would definitely value and, and likely implement those. Cause I, it is actually a lot of schools, I think, have it right in Los Angeles, a lot of the private schools anyways, in terms of the value of the social, emotional development and growth. But, yeah, I can only say that, that I believe that that would really be phenomenal, a great tool for, again, for both, I think, educators, parents and students, not just the, the kids, because I think it's it's valuable to see, oh, that action had that impact. Right. Um, but anyways. What- yeah. And I think and I think the kids are smart. You know, I think part of why Storybook works is we don't talk down to them. They're smart and they get it. And I think the more we can give them that voice and the more that we can really hear them, the more they're actually, more space we're going to give them to actually grow and change and become their best selves. So, you know, we follow their lead a little bit on Storybook because they are they are a really resilient, powerful generation with a lot of complex issues that I don't envy given how many stories we receive that are complex. But I think the more that educators can kind of lift them up in that way and empower them through their voice, the more success that community will have. Awesome. This is this has been so cool and so much fun to get to chat with you about Story Booth. Can you just tell us too what's in the future for Story Booth? Where what's what can we expect on the horizon in the next six months, year, so on and so forth? Well, a story booth book is coming out in 2022, which we're really excited about. So that's something we've been working on. Um, and it's going to include stories, but it's going to be written to illustrations. So same format as animation, just their kids' stories that we're literally putting to the page um, to art. And then we have some things up our sleeves with distribution in on other platforms, which we can't really talk about now, but... We won't just be on YouTube. And we're really focused on getting into the educational markets because we have been asked by so many schools at this point that we want to create a closed story booth um, platform for them so we can empower them to use these stories with their students. That all sounds amazing. I wish you the best of luck. Sounds like you don't need it, but that is, that is incredible. So congratulations. And for people who haven't checked out Story Booth yet and they want to either check out your YouTube channel or maybe submit, somebody wants to submit a story themselves, how do they do that? Where do they go? So submitting stories, storybooth.com or download the iOS app. Just search for Story Booth and then check us out on YouTube. Just plug in Story Booth and you can go through all our videos um, and see what we're about. Okay, Marcy. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on today and, and talking about Story Booth. And guys, I hope you, I hope you valued this interview because I think it's, it's just such a cool YouTube channel and I hope you go check it out immediately. 
because it's it's really great stuff. And by the way, if you haven't checked out our YouTube channel yet, make sure to go to YouTube and search for Scalar Learning. We're doing a whole series leading up for the SAT in August, so fingers crossed that that actually goes down. We've got so much good math content coming out. Just released a, a new video today, this morning, so I hope you check that out. And if you haven't checked us out yet on Instagram, make sure to do that as well. We got math memes and math infographics galore. Been doing a lot of geometry-based ones as of late, and we just crossed 70,000 followers not too long ago, which is pretty exciting. Thank you guys so much for joining, and I'll see you next time. Take it easy. Scalar,